0: Who do you look at around the league as you're studying and say, we're gonna have to run through them? Celtics. No one in the West.
1: Nah. I'm fine in the West. I'm fine in the West. I'm fine in the West. Hold on, hold on, hold on! He gets his shot blocked and he looks, Skip, he looks! and swings his hand and he said well he didn't mean to hit him in his groin he meant to hit him you No, know, just that mindset he had mm-hmm. uh, i would like to you know play against him i would have <laughs> cooked him too <laughs> you would have cooked michael jordan man I, nobody got more confidence than 12. there was a little bit of an incident here courtside at the crypto.com arena dylan brooks was having words with shannon shark and you see stephen adams comes over to protect his guy along with the supporting cast, and then Shannon Sharp still talking, and T Morant, John Morant's dad, comes over. you think I it's appropriate for a fan to kind of go back and forth with you guys like that? A regular pedestrian uh, like man, No. It's a parade inside my city, We're able to, you know, create something like this and, you know, keep building this dynasty and this program up. Uh, but I got Clay. I like that matchup better. I'll just show him what type of defense I got. Thompson awesome jumper, got it! Man, they was talking about dynasty and all that. You can't talk dynasty when you haven't won before. It's a parade inside my city, yeah. uh, Dylan Brooks gives Kyrie his jersey, and when it comes time for... What did Kyrie do, Jay? He said, nah, will pass. He Ooh. didn't take Dylan Brooks' jersey. If you ever wondered... Why the Memphis Grizzlies is not ready to compete for a championship? Look no further than this idiot right here. They're actually depending on this guy to help them win a championship. And he says his game is cool. Quite frankly, that just shows how little you know about basketball. Who are you, though? It's Black Jesus. You who? Black, Black Jesus. Jesus. It's a parade inside my city air. I don't care, he's old. <laughs> I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. That's his third turnover. Tillman off the dribble. Gets it in. block by James. James tries again and gets that one to go. Back to back assist to Jaron Jackson. LeBron James. from way downtown. Xavier Tillman Davis has a mismatch. LeBron slams the brakes. Hey, John. Y'all still good in the West? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Dylan Brooks, y'all still got the little mini dynasty going on yeah. over there?
0: You can't talk all that noise and then play back.
1: You, you calling people old, the old man just kicking your ass. LeBron's got it. Tillman on him. Lakers down two. James off the window. It goes. What a basket by James. He wanted James. He gets him. James drives. James is fouled. Is there a party in that city? Hey, y'all partying in Memphis? There's a party in my city. I can't tell. Did you ever see me fighting in the forest with a grizzly bear? Help the bear! Help the bear! Los Angeles Lakers will advance by virtue of a 125-85 win. I don't respect no one until they come. And give me forty. Wait, did my man say I don't I don't respect nobody until you give <laughs> me forty? <40"? laughs> you gotta be careful what you're saying. <laughs> it was like, bam, bitch. you asked for the forty, here's the forty. I'm fine in the rest.
0: What's up? How's everybody doing on this fine Monday evening? Welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Grid YouTube channel and the Carving It Up Live YouTube channel. I'm Bryson Carver, as always, and I just got one thing to say. It's the parade of South My City, yeah! Because the Memphis Grizzlies season is a wrap. By virtue of a 40. You heard that right. 40. Point loss to the Los Angeles Lakers in game six. And I know a lot of my friends, I live in Tennessee, I know a lot of my friends in, in Memphis are down in the dumps right now. So to my friends in Memphis, Tennessee, this one is especially for you. That 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 hey! That hey! Hey! Oh, man, you know, Dylan Brooks is talking about poking bears and dynasties and John Morant calling himself Black Jesus, which by itself is blasphemy, and on the other hand, it's just flat-out stupid. You also got Jaron Jackson Jr. talking about uh, strength in numbers and all of the above going on with the Memphis Grizzlies all season long. I tried to warn you, Grizzlies fans. Tried to warn you NBA media, NBA fans. Well, you know, honestly, I think the fans understood what was going to happen. The fans knew what was going on and what was going to be the results of what, uh, of this trash talk that we all knew good and well the Grizzlies were incapable of justifying. We will get to the Memphis Grizzlies later in today's show, as we will also get to my second round predictions. I understand uh, there's been a game one played in two of the series. But honest to God, my prediction going into those games, we're not affected. Or my predictions, let's put it this way. My predictions were already in stone before the game ones. So let's put it that way. Uh, also get to the NFL draft, um, why I think the Tennessee Titans made a massive mistake passing uh, passing over Henan Hooker in favor of Will Levis. I'll get to that later in the show, uh, as well as among other uh, things uh, in the world of sports and particularly in the NBA playoffs. I got a couple comments here before we get started from my man, Patrick Brown. He says, nice way to start the show by humiliating the baby bears. He said, I love it. I appreciate you, Patrick. I know Patrick and and all Laker fans out there were we're, we're very excited, you know, to see uh, the the Lakers do what they did to the Grizzlies. The only downside for me as somebody who's been on this this Grizzlies uh, overrated train for a while now is the fact that we couldn't. And their season. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie, of the Lakers who will be facing my Golden State Warriors in the second round. And the reason for that, ladies and gentlemen, is because of the best basketball player on the face of God's green earth. Say with me Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second. Just want to sit back and bask in the greatness that we witnessed yesterday afternoon, be it in the Early afternoon if you're on the West Coast and late if you're on the East Coast. But Steph Curry in a Game 7 season of the line, many argued the dynasty on the line, which I feel is a little premature. feels like people, a lot of people have been trying to force the end of the dynasty, and it's just, it just doesn't work that way. But Steph Curry uh, did something quite unprecedented. He dropped 58-6. and six. On 20-38 of 38 shooting. From the field, 7 for 18. From three-point range, ladies and gentlemen, up until yesterday, no player in the history of the National Basketball Association could say that they scored 50 in a game seven. That is, until Stephen Curry himself. What makes it sweet, and I'll get to the Kings aspect of this in just a second, but Steph Curry, according to multiple reports, including according to Draymond Green himself, who talked in his podcast late last night, the Draymond Green Show which just won a Peabody Award, I'm pretty sure, for the best sports podcast. Congratulations, Draymond. Well-deserved. But they talked about how after the Game 6 loss, obviously I didn't get a chance to react to Game 6 because it was on a Friday, but after the Warriors lost Game 6 to the Sacramento Kings at home when everybody, including myself, were thinking, oh, Golden State's closing this out. They're not losing a home game with an opportunity uh, to advance to the second round. Not only did they lose, they got The Aaron Fox... Did a number on him. Malik Monk did a number on them in particular. Trey Lyles off the bench played excellent. All the Kings role players did. And according to The Athletic, this article in The Athletic, which was, if you haven't read it yet, please do. It talked about how Steph couldn't sleep that night. And he woke up to a 4 a.m. text from Draymond Green talking about how, you know, I just, I'm just sick to my stomach. I can't believe we just let that opportunity slip. And Steph said, let me speak to the team after the film session. And Steph, paraphrasing here, said, if you don't believe we can go win game seven in Sacramento, then don't get on the bus. If you do, then I see that as a, as a uh, sign, of, a, a signature of approval, essentially saying, you believe that we can go win game seven. And Steph said it in, in again, not verbatim here, get on my back. To the Sacramento Kings for a brief moment, they had a fantastic season. I greatly underestimated those guys coming into this postseason. As a matter of fact, those that have watched the show for any length of time over the last four, five, six weeks or so, I was praying. My Golden State Warriors, given the situation they were in in terms of the record, would get the sixth seed so that they could avoid the play-in tournament but also avoid a potential matchup with the Phoenix Suns and instead get the Sacramento Kings. I am here to tell you today Sacramento would beat Phoenix in the best-of-seven series. They would. Mike Brown, as I said from All-Star break on, no doubt coach of the year, and as a matter of fact, the media essentially sent that message. By awarding him the first ever unanimous coach of the year in the history of the NBA. De'Aaron Fox won the very first ever Clutch Player of the Year award. And there's no player in the NBA this year that deserved it more than that young man. He was spectacular this season. And he was even better in the postseason. Averaging around 30 points a game. Hitting big shot after big shot. Every time that man had the ball in his hands in any of the seven games the fourth quarter. I tensed up. I got nervous. And as a Warriors fan, as a guy who's seen my team win four championships, not a whole lot of guys do that to me. And I don't want to speak for all of Dub Nation, but I'm sure a lot of you Warriors fans watching or listening could say the same. Malink Monk had an excellent series. I mentioned Trey Lyles in game six. The, the, the Davis, what was it? Terrence, uh, Terrence Davis, I think is his name. I think is his name. Last night had a big game seven. Everybody stepped up, minus DeMontis Sabonis, who got shut down by Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. But that's neither here nor there. Sacramento's coming. They've got a great ho- uh, home fan base, arguably the loudest arena in the NBA. I think "Light the Beams" is a little bit corny, but it's a fantastic fan base. A beautiful arena, by the way. They have as bright a future as there is in the NBA, and they have nothing to hang their heads over. Because there's nothing they could have done to stop the storm and the avalanche that came their way in the seventh and decisive game from Steph Curry. We're talking 30-foot threes. We're talking ankle-breaking threes, step-backs, behind-the-back, catch-and-shoot, the the whole bit. But we also saw a filthy, just disgusting layup package. The little reverse. He had a couple teardrops. He had. I think it was his first buck of the game, where he's driving baseline and then just hangs and just lays that puppy in the air, and it's it's nothing but net. That that thing doesn't even hit hit the rim. They didn't even draw iron. It was beautiful. Just like just baby kiss into the net. It's beautiful. You saw that last layup that gave him 50. Weaving in and out of the defense, he probably got fouled five times the play. That's neither here nor there. But he's just weaving it out. I mean, that's a layup package that I'm, I think Kyrie Irving was watching. Like, bro, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, listen, I got I got a bag. I don't know if I got that kind of bag. And y'all know what I think about Kyrie's handles. He was simply spectacular. As a matter of fact, here's a stat that I saw today that shows you how great Steph Curry was. We think about him in the terms of the greatest shooter ever, and I mean that that guy decided to me with the the shot behind me. I had that mural of of, of Steph with the walk-off shot against OKC. I think that cemented him as the greatest shooter ever, seven years ago. So we already knew that. We don't give him enough credit for how good of a score he is. Mid-range, obviously, we you know about the three. Uh, you know, off the dribble, catch and shoot, getting to the basket, knocking down his free throws, which he missed some of his free throws yesterday, which is a bit concerning. Uh, but he's Steph Curry. He'll, he'll, he'll get back on track. But how about this stat, okay? Last night, Steph Curry became the first player in NBA history to record 20 or more points from three and 20 or more points in the paint in the same game. That's what he does. And that is why you're seeing a lot of folks talk about today referring to him as the best player in the world. Well, welcome to the ship, because I've been saying that since uh, June of last year. I love Giannis. He's a much better defender than Steph Curry. He's more of a force in the paint than Steph Curry. He doesn't have a jump shot to speak of. He can't handle the ball like Steph. He can't pass like Steph. He doesn't make offense easier for his teammates like Steph. I love KD, but uh, Steph won without him when he left. Joel Embiid, could you please get to a conference finals? Could you stay healthy for crying out loud? In the postseason. Kawhi. Stop it. He's never available. Jokic. Stop it. He's never been to a finals. For crying out loud. Luka Doncic. Just missed the playoffs. Any and every name. Even LeBron James. Who Golden State's about to face the second round. While still great. Is not the LeBron James of old. I'm glad it seems like the media is finally now catching on. To what I've been saying for 10 months. Steph Curry is by a significant margin. The best basketball player. On planet Earth. The first 50-point Game 7 in NBA history. And he's here's an even better stat. Because remember, the, the record belonged to Kevin Durant from two years ago. Remember that 48-point game against Milwaukee? It was just a masterpiece. He, remember he hit that shot that we thought Live won the game, but when we saw his foot was on the line, and Milwaukee ended up winning that game seven two years ago? How about this? This makes the 50-point the game even better. Steph is the last player... To score only the second player to score 45 or more in a game seven in a win in the last 60 years. Six decades, Steph is only the second player to score 45 or more in a game seven in a winning effort. And that brings me to my next point. I'll get into the Warriors later on and throughout the weeks to come. I didn't think this was possible. After this series was over, or at least coming into the series rather. You guys know after Steph won the finals last year, I said going in that finals, I said he's not top 10 for only one reason. He has all the resume of a top 10 player, right? The three championships, the two MVPs, one be unanimous, he's the greatest shooter ever. I mean, heck, he's got he even got an all-star MVP, which is a nice little cherry on top. But he didn't have that finals MVP. And that's kind of like he went kind of the entry-level thing to get into the club. The club of top 10 players all time. Steph didn't have it. He got it. And because his resume was so great, that was the one thing keeping away. And once he got it, boom, he bolted into the top seven for me. I didn't think it was possible for him to move up until the NBA finals. If he were to win this year's finals. I was wrong. I'm hearing a lot of discussion. I heard Colin Cowherd say it today. I heard Stephen A. Smith alluded to it Yesterday. On uh on NBA Countdown and on his podcast, that Steph has passed Magic or should be in the discussion to pass Magic as the greatest point guard ever. I am I'm probably the biggest Steph Curry fan on planet Earth. I do not think he's passed Magic Johnson quite yet, but he has passed Tim Duncan. Steph is now the sixth greatest player in the history of the game. In a game in which Klay Thompson, aside from a few shots in the third, gave you almost nothing offensively. In which Draymond Green was decent, but not Draymond Green. Not like nowhere near the game five performance he had against Sacramento, although he was good defensively. In a game in which Andrew Wiggins can't buy a free throw. Jordan Poole is Jordan Poole again. More on him later. Doesn't get a whole lot of production from guys like DiVincenzo. Now he got all kinds of help from Kevon Looney. How about 11 points and 20-plus rebounds? Kevon was amazing. In a game in which Steph's second-leading scorer scored 17 points, he dropped 50. And he did it efficiently. It's one thing to score 50. It's another to do it on over 50% shooting. That's hard. In a series in which... Few thought the Warriors could win. Even fewer thought the Warriors could win after they fell down 0-2 to Sacramento. And I told y'all a week and a half ago, I said, just hang on. These are the champions we're talking about. This is the greatest dynasty since the Jordan Bulls. They're going to respond. And what do they do? Blow out in game three. Skin of their teeth win in game four. Great closeout win in five. They were awful in six. No excuse for that. And Mr. Curry led the way in Game 7. And now, the basketball gods have granted all of us a just a real treat. We get LeBron and Steph round 5. In the second round of this year's postseason. I will get to the Lakers and the Grizzlies in just a second. We cannot understate how great Steph Curry was. Not just throughout the series, but last night. And he kind of tends to have these big performances. Oftentimes, we let 2016, in which Steph was bad, I will never excuse how he played in Game 7, in particular against the Cavs in 2016. We often let that blind us from the overwhelming resume of great things he did. Yesterday, all you can do is stand in awe, watch, and witness pure greatness and the sixth greatest player in NBA history. The only guys if if y- if y'all are asking who the uh the five above him are in in this order, LeBron, Michael, Kareem, Kobe, Magic. Magic is next on the list. And with the title, Steph passes him. Steph absolutely passes him with a championship. To the comments we go. John Rivera. He's uh he's got the yeah, he's got the shades on. Yeah. I'm going to keep him on for one more segment, and then, then then we'll ditch him. Oh, Barry's not liking it. Oh, he's nervous. I can tell by that comment. He is so, he's terrified. He was praying, please, please let the Sacramento Kings win. Please let Sacramento win. We'll, no, you don't get Sacramento. You don't get the kids. You get the champs. He says, get the likes up. I appreciate that. He's coming. No other way around it. You don't give life to a champion. You dang sure don't give life to a dynasty led by the best player in the world. And unfortunately for the rest of the NBA or at least the seven to other teams remaining, right now the Los Angeles Lakers, the Sacramento Kings had no answer for it. But how many teams have? When you think about it, it's what he does. I Can't say I'm all that surprised because, you know, this is the sixth greatest player of all time we're talking about here. So we're going to move on, though. i say today's one of those shows, folks. This is just, this is, a, again, I, I believe in one God, and that is Jesus Christ. You believe as you choose. But I'm starting to wonder if there are basketball gods. I'm starting, I'm starting to, maybe a little something to that. Because this is one of them shows, I'm like, you you all are really blessing me right now. You gave me a Steph Curry 50-point game and a Game 7 to leave my show off with, and you give me the Memphis Grizzlies losing a closeout game by 40 after Dylan Brooks said, I don't respect you unless you give me 40? Just kindness. Pure kindness from the basketball gods. So let's move to Game 6 between Memphis and the LA Lakers. So, um, Lakers won as you all will hurt, I'm sure. My final score of 125 to 85. And they move on to the second round to take on my Warriors. Again, my second round predictions at the end of today's show. Where do I start on this? So, I picked the Lakers to win this series in seven games. Because I felt like, what was going to be the consistency level from AD? I actually gave him a new nickname on the show after the Lakers lost game two. I called him Coin Flip Davis, and I'm still sticking with that. Because if it lands on heads, man, you are you're in good shape if you're L.A. If it lands on tails, you're probably going to lose. And every game in which he landed on tails, which I'd say was probably two games, games two and four, the Lakers went one-on-one of those games. And in game four, it took a LeBron layup to tie the game to send it to overtime. And of course, he did what he always does, and that's close the deal in overtime. What I loved about this series is not necessarily that you're talking about a team that just won the championship two and a half years ago. People try to diminish it because it was the bubble, but the reality is everybody was in the bubble. Somebody had to win the championship. So we're going to diminish everybody? I rest my case. But a team that won the championship two and a half years ago, taking on a team that has, in the last eight years, advanced past the first round once. But he asked them, you know, according to Dylan Brooks, our dynasty. I don't, I don't know what is the basis of that claim is, but hey, you ask him. Is the fact that Dylan Brooks, in his own words, tried to poke the bear? Desmond Bain, after Game Five, guaranteed a Game Seven. He didn't just say, "I feel confident we're going to win." Like give the cliche answer. No, he said, we're, "We're coming back for Game seven. Some big, big words to talk about the king, the brow. Supporting cast, led by Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, and in Game 6, D'Angelo Russell, who was amazing. Some big words. What I loved, and I said this last week when Dylan Brooks was trying to quote-unquote poke the bear, is the fact that LeBron didn't blink. And I knew he wouldn't. LeBron has seen agitators throughout his career. I'd say chief among them would be Lance Stevenson. Remember Lance Stevenson, the, the famous meme? I think it was from 2014 where he's blowing in LeBron's ear. And he's just, just annoying, and LeBron's just chuckling like, man, this this dude, this dude right here. LeBron James has stared some of the greatest players of all time in the eye. The late, great Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. He's seen some of the greatest teams of all time. The Spurs, the Warriors, the Thunder. <laughs> you think... <laughs> You think Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies? you think John Moran, it's a parade of summer city, yeah. You think he was going to be intimidated by that? You think he was going to be provoked by that to just go berserk and score 30, 40 points? No. He's not going to let those dudes get him out of his game, out of his rhythm. He's just going to go about his business. He's in year 20. He's been here and he's done that a time or two. As a matter of fact, I think I saw the stat right. He alone has played more playoff games than the Memphis Grizzlies have as a franchise. Wasn't anybody over there was going to get in his head. And it was, it was a very balanced series for LeBron. You get your 25, you get your 7-8 assists, getting teammates involved. Now, he had a bad game five, but I think not. this isn't to have same blame for LeBron because he played bad in game five. But I think a lot of that had, had to uh, do with the fact that he just came off of, of 20 points and 20 rebounds in game four, including the tying layup and the dagger and one with 30 seconds left. And Anthony Davis, as I predicted coming into the series, why I was worried about his inconsistency was going to dominate Memphis. Why? Memphis has no size. Steven Adams gone. Brandon Clark gone. Now they had Xavier Tillman, but come on, that's, that's not going to be enough against the likes of Anthony Davis. And when Tillman's out of the game, then what are you going to do? You're going to put Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson on him? No. No match for Anthony Davis who played every bit like a top 10 player in the NBA. Do I think he is? No, because he doesn't give us that on a consistent basis. And Golden State with their size, with Kavon Looney, is going to be a whole different challenge. We'll get to that later on the show. But this, in no other words, was a team, and this is the, the ironic part about it, a team that talked a lot of mess, a lot of nonsense to try and get in their opposition's head. And the reality is, they actually got in their own heads. Dylan Brooks shooting sub-30, sub, I'm sorry, sub-35% in the series and sub-20-something percent from three. Ugh. John Morant having some clunkers. How about John Morant in game six? Mr. It's a Parade in Sanma City went three for 16 from the field, had 10 points. Xavier Tillman had two. Jaron Jackson Jr., three for 12 from the field, and one for six from three with 14 Desmond Bain, who had a big-time Game 5, was talking about, we're going to be back for Game 7 now. Yeah, he went 5 for 16 and scored 15 points. Outside of Aldama in, in, in garbage time, they got no production from their bench. And Darvin Ham completely, completely, and I never thought I'd be saying this, overwhelmed Taylor Jenkins with his adjustments. On the other hand, LeBron was LeBron. You know, a typical LeBron James game. 22, 6, and 5. You know, 9 for 13 for the field. Very efficient. D'Angelo Russell was the starter of the night with 31. Anthony Davis was... Even the bad offensive games by AD, he was outstanding on the defensive end. What, he averaged three blocks on the series? The John Morant's layup attempts? Bain? Uh, Tyus Jones? Not a very good idea to go into the, in, in, into the trees. And certainly with that guy, who to me should have been the 2018 Defensive Player of the Year over freaking Rudy Gobert. This was bound to happen. When you poke the bear, don't be crying and complaining when the bear wakes up. And the bear was not LeBron James because he's not going to be fooled by all that mess. The bear was the Lakers though. A team talked trash and ultimately was all said and done gotten their own heads because they got to back up what they're saying and they're not good enough to back up. What they're saying, as you saw in the little tribute video to this year's Memphis Grizzlies season, it was a lot of talking going on. We're talking dynasty, and we're talking about uh, you know I'm going to lock up Clay, and then he got Clay with one of the probably Clay got the greatest technical foul of the NBA season hits a shot over Dylan Brooks and just stands over him and just sliding as Brooks is just, it's like a, almost looks like a cartoon where Brooks is just sliding back to half court backwards and Klay's just staring at him and side to side. It was a beautiful moment. It really was. Goodbye, Memphis Grizzlies. We will not miss you. And uh, <laughs> here's the next season. And here... Is to another first round exit peace out we've got comments here let's see uh hold on we got comments uh Patrick Bryant. yeah listen to Patrick uh, Patrick by the way he's got a, a Lakers podcast called the Forum Patrick says I said on my show Friday if the Lakers take away Desmond Bain we had a chance by golly someone in the organization might have heard my podcast it was a beautiful sight to see you yeah, know listen they they blitz Desmond Bain a lot. Making sure he didn't get open looks, Uh, you know. Great, yeah, great comment here by Patrick. As the biblical reference goes, you reap what you sow. And I'll give you another biblical reference, Patrick and an audience. It's one of the most well-known. Pride goeth before a fall. Mm. Boy, was it a fall, Barry? You notice I didn't even send shots of the Grizzlies on my show. They weren't worth my time. It was always going to end this way. The Lakers didn't even talk back to them. They knew, too. Certainly seen that way. <laughs> Patrick, what parade we talking about? <laughs> That's a good question. The circus came and went like day and night. They need to undergo serious rebuilding. I'm sorry, retooling. Sorry, I could barely see through these shades. And, uh, and rid the shenanigans. Coach Taylor Jenkins needs to check this team in the offseason. And he says, LeBron walking off the court before the buzzer sounded was the mic drop. To see my guys trolling Memphis with whoop that trick. To see them fold with no response. Was icing on the cake. I, I loved that. I, I loved how LeBron, before the buzzer even sat, he said, man, I'm out of here. I got to get some post-game training. I got better things to worry about. I got a, a a team that's won half half of the last eight championships to worry about. I ain't going to worry about shaking the hands of these clowns. I ain't messing with them. And his social media posts were just fantastic. Help the bear. The bear does not reside in Memphis. The bear in this instance is old pack of bears. Is that a is that a group of bears called a pack of bears? I don't know. Somebody who's a expert in that kind of stuff maybe needs to check me in the comments. I don't know. Bottom line is those are the Los Angeles Lakers. This second round again, I'll be predicting at the end of the show is one of the more difficult ones to predict. It's one of the more fascinating. Although we did get some breaking news almost immediately before the show started today, that not, not all that surprising that uh, Joel Embiid is, uh, is going to be out for tonight, out for tonight's game one against the, um, against the Boston Celtics. I guess I can take my shades off, right? Yeah, I'm take them off. You can see my eyes now. There you go. But uh, no, Joel Embiid's out for game one against the, uh, against the Boston Celtics. Again, when I did my playoff weaknesses coming into the postseason, and I got to Philadelphia. I said, it's three people in three different instances. Embiid's health, Harden's mentality, and Doc's history. Well, check one off the box. Embiid is once again hurt in the second round. And I hate it for him. He's, to me, unquestionably one of the top five players in the game. And in the coming days, I mean, it's probably going to be, because usually they announce the MVP this time of year. In the next three, four days, Embiid's probably going to be announced as the MVP, and in my opinion, deservedly so. And he's not available. That's, that's what's been the case. 2019, he was sick. 2021, he had a, I think I think it was an e injury, some kind of injury. I can't remember what it was, but I remember he missed the end of the Washington series in the first round and was not himself in the Atlanta series, which they went on to lose in game seven. And then last year, he dealt with, I think it was a thumb injury, and then just, this was just bad luck. He got elbowed bad by a Toronto Raptors player. I can't remember who it was in the first round in the face and like had multiple broken bones. I mean, it was just terrible. He missed the first two games of that series. From what I've read from different medical experts who talked about this particular injury, best case scenario, they need to hope for him in game three. So if you're Philadelphia sort of getting off topic here, but I'll get again, I'll get to the six or Celtics predictions later. If you're Philadelphia, it's steal a game in Boston. Whether it's tonight, because game one tips off in an hour, or steal game two, which I guess will be on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday night uh, at uh, at the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Steal a game, which Philadelphia has to win, a, by definition, has to win at least one road game anyway. If you could steal one of the two with Adam Bede, that would be huge for this team's morale and could be a potential momentum swinger as these playoffs go on. But I do want to shift, though, only NFL topic, uh, NFL draft. So, like I said, if you if if y'all out there did not watch the Grid uh, Twenty Twenty Three NFL Draft Live Reaction Show, uh, here's the graphic. Um, it's on the Grid, the whole live show. Uh, we've we've got some content, some YouTube Shorts from some of our reactions, some of the picks. I think uh, I think it was the B, uh, yeah the B John Robinson videos on there. Uh, Alfred who was awesome during the draft. Uh, shout out to Alfred. Uh, Alfred's reaction to the Jets confusing pick of Will McDonald. Uh Barry, Ryan, and Mike's are our three Cowboys fans. Uh their reaction to Mozzie Smith getting drafted by the Cowboys, uh, it was it was definitely fun. And, and like I said, if you guys did not get a chance to catch it live, that's okay. It is on the grid. Our entire first round uh, reaction. And uh if you want more than that, uh the Cowboys campaign guys did every single, every single round. So they did Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was actually on, on Saturday, had a great time with the guys. Uh they do a phenomenal job as always, covering the draft, and in particular, uh their Dallas Cowboys. So check out their stuff. But I was watching the second round of the draft as I was watching Warriors-Kings game six. And, and pretty early on, pretty, pretty, yeah, 33rd pick in the, in the draft, second pick in the first round, the Tennessee Titans decided to trade up and take a guy who they hope will be their future, they hope will be their franchise quarterback in Will Levis out of the University of Kentucky. Now, Will Levis, as we all know, was the story of the first round. Certainly, as talent, that's. There's no question about that. There's, I mean, there's a reason that many uh, scouts had him going as high as fourth to the Indianapolis Colts. I thought he was going fourth. They decided to go with Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis completely falls out of the first, the first round. And you saw there's been all these memes about him sitting in the green room and all, all, all the, all the stuff going on in terms of him still being there. And then there was a story about how he said he's not going to the draft unless he knows that he is going to be a top pick. And he went, and he was not a top pick. That's pretty obvious. But Tennessee decided to select him. Now, here's what I will say about Will Levis. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got a beautiful release. Like, his throwing motions, mechanics are great. Like, there's no worries about that whatsoever. Big arm mechanics are good. Uh, Pretty big, strong athlete. Uh, Here's my promise. He's got to tell you, at least he feels the need to, that he is a big, strong, strapping athlete with the bathroom picks and whatnot. As a matter of fact, reports came out of Indianapolis after they selected Anthony Richardson that they liked Levis tangibly.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
0: chumbacasino.com. No by over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they were blown away by Richardson intangibly and essentially saying Richardson is not, is a raw prospect. He's not where he needs to be as c- compared to where Will Levis is but we feel like he'll be more receptive to coaching. Not the case with Levis. There's multiple stories of questionable leadership. There's questions about his, certainly, I have a big question about this, his pocket awareness, which I thought was horrendous at Kentucky. Look, I get he had a bad offensive line, and I will give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. But Man, it's like every time he got those happy feet in the pocket, didn't look so great. And intangibly, I question his leadership abilities. And again, I will, I've will i got my top 10 quarterbacks. I'm sure you have yours. But if you look at these guys, which one are we like, I don't love their leadership intangibles. I can think of only one, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And even Aaron Rodgers in recent days, I've given him a lot of credit. He seemed optimistic. He seems excited to play for the Jets. Tell my man, I can't wait to meet my new teammates and introduce myself. And I'm going to be working with the receivers in the offseason. I'm like, Great, like this is, this is the best, best news I've heard from Aaron Rodgers in some time, but even the other guys, Mahomes, tremendous leader. Burrow, same thing. Lawrence, Allen, Hurts is a fantastic leader. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, uh, Herbert, Carr. That does play factor. Why do you think before the injury, Kyler Murray really struggled at the end of last season and all of, or, I'm sorry, at the end of two seasons ago and then all of last season until the injury? DeAndre Hopkins did come back after the suspension. still didn't look all that great. If the locker room doesn't buy into you, you have questions. Major ones. Now, you certainly hope for Will Levis going into an organization like Tennessee with Mike Vrabel, who's a fantastic coach, uh, with with an offense that for the moment has Derrick Henry. We'll see if that continues uh, as time goes on. But they're in kind of a rebuilding stage. They're trying to rebuild the offensive line. They took Skronsky, the offensive lineman from Northwestern, I think it's a solid pick, especially after my man Darnell Wright went to the Chicago Bears. But they're in a rebuild mode. Tannehill's going to be the guy next year. And you saw Mike Vrabel the call with uh, with Will Levis talking about, hey, we're going to just worry about developing you and just enjoy this season. Essentially saying, we're going to give you a year to develop behind Tannehill And that, to me, was the message by Tennessee of we can fix the tangible stuff if he's receptive to coaching. It's the other stuff that worries them. Evidently not enough to select him. But I'm here on the record, May 1st, 2023, the Titans made a colossal mistake. When you consider Hendon Hooker was still on the board. For the Detroit Lions, who selected him I think it was the 68th overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, in the third round. I was already in on the Detroit Lions, as Super Bowl contenders this year. And by the way, I don't think Hooker's going to play. He's going to back up Golf. Detroit just got a franchise changer. Poised. Great in the pocket. Quick decision maker. Really good arm. Deadly accurate. And a fantastic leader and worker. Why do you think Hinton Hooker, all the reports coming out of the combine and et cetera, a guy who couldn't work out because he's still recovering from an ACL tear, although he's back to dropping back, which is great. He's recovering beautifully from the injury, which is awesome. Why do you think a stock just came came going up, up, up? Accuracy matters. Pocket awareness. By the way, you know what? Hinton Hooker, definitely. I'm not worried about the ACL injury long-term. You know he has the edge over on Will Levis? Mobility. Again, can we show my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL? Uh, Here we go. Which one of these guys? Name the guy that is just a statue in the pocket, like cannot move. Aaron Rodgers, again, not a guy you necessarily worried about running. The same thing can be said about Derek Carr. But they're mobile. They're good in the pocket. Mahomes can run. Burrow can run. Lawrence can run. Allen definitely can run. I think he runs too much. Same with Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Dak runs occasionally. Herbert can run. It brings a whole new dimension to the game in today's NFL, in today's era where the quarterback is more important than it's ever been. Mobility matters, and Hooker has the clear advantage over Levis in that regard. He has the edge in accuracy, in decision-making. I heard a lot of people talk about Tennessee's offense, Josh Seipel's offense. It's like a one-read offense. Not necessarily. If you watch the film, you've got to make quick split-second decisions if you're going to the, to the guy with the ball. And with an organization, Detroit, it's got a run game because they drafted uh, my man Jameer Gibbs, who I I think is going to be so good in the NFL. I love that kid uh, out of Alabama. Has Alan Kamara written all over him. An offensive line, which is top tier. An offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who's done a spectacular job. You've got a plethora of wide receivers. The defense, which was the weakness for the Detroit last year, they have more than addressed it in the offseason, particularly in the secondary by adding Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, two Tennessee guys, by the way, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was huge for the Philadelphia Eagles defense last year. They have addressed every single need to their roster. Now, Goff is going to be the guy this year. But in 2024, it's hooker time. That sounds terrible coming out of my mouth. It's Hendon hooker time. Yeah, Pause. But the bottom line to this, Tennessee screwed up. And I feel like if you see the guys in that draft room, you see the little uneasiness in Mike Vrabel and everybody else, I think they know they screwed up. It's Hendon Hooker in time in Detroit. And uh, Tennessee, you had a guy, you had your franchise quarterback less than 200 miles away, and you passed. it has been a lot of non-first-round quarterbacks who have crushed in the NFL. and Hooker will be the next. I think there's going to be two quarterbacks in this draft. They're going to ace it. One, it's kind of going to be in between, and we'll see. And then two, that'll be busts. Levis is going to be a bust. And as much as I genuinely like the kid, I think Richardson is going to be a bust. Bryce, I think, is going to be the in-between because I worry so much about his size. His playmaking ability is incredible. He's got everything. If he were just three four inches taller and 20, 30 pounds, you know, m- heavier. But, man, small quarterbacks are really struggling to stay healthy these days or be productive. Russell Wilson, Kyla Murray, Baker Mayfield, like, they're they're struggling right now. And, man, I, I wish the best for Bryce, but today's NFL, I, I'm a little bit concerned. And the two th- guys I think are going to ace it are C.J. Stroud and Hennon Hooker. You heard it here first. Anytime there's five major quarterbacks, usually two pan out, one's kind of in between, and then two are busts. That's usually how it works. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out uh, in the coming days and years for these franchises. Got a few comments here. Patrick, we'll have to see, uh, say, Barry's meltdown <laughs> to use for next year's draft. That was epic that'll go down as the greatest moments uh, one of the greatest moments in our uh live nfl draft reaction show yet yeah, listen dog he was livid <laughs> he was and i don't blame him you need to take a wide receiver heck there's a lot of amazing tight ends on the board and you take an interior lineman does it fill a need yeah it does yeah it does but the defense was fine last year. Against a great Niners offense, they held them to 19. The offense, yeah, lost the game because the offense put up 12. A lot of that fell on Dak Prescott. A lot of it fell. If you watch the film, after a while, Dak's like, screw it. CeeDee Lamb's the only guy I can trust. Noah Brown can't catch the ball. Gallup can't separate. I'm having to force the ball to him. T.Y. Hilton's old. Like can we address it a little bit? Could CeeDee Lamb not have to be a, you know, the only guy in this offense I can trust consistently, but that's... That's Dallas. That's what they do. And Patrick says, Will Levis's turf toe injury raised concerns? His lack of maturity put a dent in the stock. This pick will either be a home run or come back to bite Tennessee in the rear. Hendon Hooker will haunt them. Agreed. Got a comment here. Uh, Eric Van Linton. Whoa. Car over Danny Dimes? Absolutely car over Danny Dimes. A- and look, he had a... I'm very hesitant to say Daniel Jones had a great year last year. He threw 15 touchdowns. I mean, I didn't know 15 touchdowns could get you $40 million a year, but I rest my case. But yeah, Derek, I've, all, listen, I've always been a Derek Carr guy. When you consider what he dealt with in Oakland slash Vegas, I mean, it's like a list this long of stuff. Crap he had to deal with in that organization. And now he goes to New Orleans where I'm like, eh, I, I don't know if this is really going to... Work in terms of championship contention. One thing you can't say about the Saints is that they're not a well-run franchise. They've got the quarterback; he's got his stability. Uh, they feel like they feel like they're a team that could get to the playoffs this year, especially in the Week NFC. My man Philip Chenault to the comments. What's up, Philip? He says, "Hey, man, the Cowboys got Deuce Vaughn. I like him a lot from Kansas State, and we got Luke Shoemaker from Michigan. I like our draft, honestly." Well, Deuce Vaughn, I think, is a solid pick. Obviously, we all saw it, which was so cool. His his dad, who's a scout in the organization, and the call—it was so awesome. Uh, you know, even Jerry Jones got teary-eyed. It was, it was such a such a cool moment. Um, but I think he's gonna be a nice fit. It's kind of like a change of change of pace. Again, Dallas's running backs are a little on the small side, which concerns me just a little bit. Which is, I think, partly why uh, why Jerry Jones is considering bringing Zeke back. But. I think if Mike McCarthy's able to use Deuce in the right way, he could be a real game changer. In terms of Shoemaker, does he fit Dallas better? Maybe. Man, you had some some really good tight ends on the board. Kincaid was taken by the Bills. That was the backbreaker. But Michael Mayer was a match made in football heaven. They kept comparing him. They just, during ESPN, they kept comparing Michael Mayer from Notre Dame to Jason Witten. Shoemaker might be fine, certainly in the blocking game. That's where he'll be a great asset to Dallas. But uh, I I don't know if, I mean, what's he, the fifth, sixth best tight end? And it's a tight end loaded draft. I understand that. But what's he, fifth, sixth best tight end of the draft? Eh. I'm not not all that high on Dallas' draft. I don't know they, they got a heck of a lot better. Although I do like the linebacker they took out of Texas. I think that was a good pick. Patrick, our run defense ranked 22nd. It was a reach, but filled a need. I believe in Coach DQ and Will McClay. Will McClay, as as well as anybody, can can spot talent, and DQ, as in Dan Quinn, uh, is as good at getting the best out of said talent as anybody in the league. Uh, I would still love to know what Dan Quinn is making in Dallas. I know he's got to be making more than most NFL head coaches. Otherwise, there's no way he's still in Dallas. Uh, Jerry's definitely Jer- Jerry's giving a, a good check. But my thing is, Patrick, does it fill a need? Yes. And I was talking about this on Saturday with the Cam fan guys, and they, I, I, th- I think they. they they kind of understood what I was saying. They like the pick. A lot of Cowboys fans like the pick. I think he's going to be a solid player. I really, really do. He he helps address a weakness in Dallas. But at the end of the season, stopping the run really wasn't a problem for the Cowboys. Against a Niners team, which outside of Philly and Baltimore, I don't know if any team in the NFL runs the ball as well as San Francisco does. Kyle Shanahan is, it's like Mike Shanahan. It's the West Coast offense, which is predicated. Around running the football. him to 19. If you had told a Cowboys fan. Hey we're, we're, you're going to hold San Francisco to sub 20. You'd be like. NFC Championship here we come. But. Dak pl- didn't play well. Uh, now a lot of that was on Dak. And, I, and I'm a Dak fan. But I, I, I put a lot of blame in him. He did not play well in that San Francisco uh, playoff game. But some of, the, can we be honest. Some of that was because of the fact that the Dallas Cowboys receiving unit. Ranked dead last in separation. Dead last. Noah Brown at one point was 108th among wide receivers in the NFL in separation. Michael Gallup at one point was 103rd. Like if dudes aren't getting open, who you got to throw to? Now Brandon Cooks is there. He's going to help when he's on the field. Knock on wood for Brandon Cooks. Hope he's healthy and he's a burner. But does he fit Dallas all that well? See, is a perfect fit, but it can't just be CD or bust. I mean, even, even Cooper Cup at Odell. And they had Tyler Higby, the tight end, a guy, you know, a good security blanket. Uh, listen, this league is predicated on quarterback play and offense, and this league, particularly in the last three to four years, is all about doing anything whatsoever to make your quarterback's job as easy as it can be. And the reality is you're playing quarterback in the NFL. There's nothing easy about it. It's, it's, it's the hardest hardest position to play in American team sports. But do whatever you can to take a little bit of the burden off of them. And Dallas has literally done the exact opposite. The exact opposite they're they they're, they're they're building their organization like it's 1992 football literally yeah you got a running back that's cool you know Kansas City drafted running back in the seventh round got all the production they needed out of him all about putting talent running quarterback and Dallas just appears uh incapable of doing uh such a thing but next uh next segment. And again, I'm last segment—well, hold on before we get to our last segment. I got a comment here. Let's see what we got. <laughs> Philip, I wasn't surprised what Jerry Jones does every year. Yeah, this is what they do. You know, Mike, during the draft show—and Mike has come around, too, on, on Mozzie Smith a little bit. But Mike was talking about—he uh, was saying there's always four or five players— that are on the board. He's like, please, Dallas, take one of these guys. And there's like four or five players. You're like, please, Jerry, don't, don't do this. And he said, every year they almost always take one of the guys. He's like, you got to be kidding me now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling
0: lucky? No purchase necessary. Void representative prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was brutal on Dallas for the Tyler Smith pick last year. He was really good. Like, he's, he's going to be in this league for a very long time. Then the Micah pick, that was obvious. I was a Micah Parsons fan before he was a Cowboy. Seriously, check this show. I was a huge Micah guy. Uh, that was an obvious home run. The fact that he fell to Dallas was like, whoa, what are you? What are these teams thinking? Patrick, I still believe Bryce Young's size will further hurt down the road. Unless Carolina builds a wall, Only one can only hope they do that in the coming years. C.J. Stroud, to me, will be the better quarterback. I agree. And the one thing C.J. Stroud has... He's almost, you know what C.J. Stroud is in terms of his greatest strength? He's a little bit of a, let's say a little bit, a lesser version in terms of accuracy as Joe Burrow. Now you can say, well, it's easy to be accurate when you got, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I understand that, but yes, the wide receiver's a dependent position. You can do whatever you can to get wide open, but if the quarterback's not putting the ball where it needs to be, it's not it not be successful. But I agree. CJ Stroud, I believe, and, and Houston, I thought had a great draft. Great draft. Not just the Will Anderson, but other picks they made down the road. Damico Ryan is already making his making his imprint on, on Houston Felt, which is which is awesome. Uh, and as bad as I hate to say it as a former Cowboys fan, Philadelphia. <laughs> they ace the draft, folks. They ace the draft. Holy cow. How do you get the best two players in Georgia's defense in the first round? No. How do you get the best three players? On Georgia's defense in the draft by getting Kaylee Ringo, who Guido and I both love. I mean, as a Tennessee, speaking as a Tennessee fan, we played Georgia when we were number one in the country. Number one. Jalen Hyatt was the hottest receiver in college football, and Kaylee Ringo put the clamps on him. Hyatt didn't do anything all afternoon in Athens, Georgia, and Ringo had a lot to do with that. So, wow. The team that lost the Super Bowl by a walk-off field goal <laughs> got significantly better and probably, in my estimation, won the draft. I also think, by the way, too, Seattle had a really good draft. I mean, you take Devin Witherspoon, who's the best or second-best corner. I'm I still, I'm more of a Christian Gonzalez guy. I think the Patriots got to steal with him. But you get the best or second-best corner in the draft. And then 15 picks later, you get Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's the best or second-best receiver in the draft. Like, Seattle, man, how about that receiving trio, though, in Seattle? Metcalf, Lockett, Smith, and Jigba. That's going to be a problem for defenses. Listen, Geno Smith. Geno Smith's got a lot of weapons. Patrick, the NFL is aiming to announce the 2023 schedule in a couple weeks. I saw that. And if, I, I wish they'd come out with a date because, as I said in the camp fan show, I want everybody to, and it was breaking news for the Cam fan, but if you, y'all didn't see it, that's okay. I'll go ahead and announce it now. I wasn't planning to do this, but since Patrick talked about the schedule, it feels appropriate to do this. After weeks of considering, weeks, after months of considering, I was down to two teams. Choose as my team team, because I was, if those of you that don't know, I was a lifelong Cowboys fan. Decide to jump ship in 2020 and just be a Dak guy because I was a Dak guy before he was a Cowboy. And then last year I was like, man, I, I can't do this. I can't have Jerry Jones put my guy in bad positions year after year. So I'm like, I, I got to pick. And, and plus it's, too, it's hard to – because what happens when the player retires? So what happens then? I'm like, I got to pick a team. And it was eight teams. Uh, the Hen and Hooker, whoever drafted Henn and Hooker was in the mix. It ended up being Detroit. While well, I think Detroit is going places, I, I just can't be a Lions fan. I can't do it. Can't do it. Came down to two. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of prayer went into this. A lot of, you know, thinking and pros and cons and the whole bit. Seeing where the organizations are now. Projecting where they could be in the future. And I have made my decision. But I'm not even announcing it today. <laughs> I'm not announcing it today, okay? In a couple of weeks... Don't have a date on this yet. What's Today's May 1st, so what What are we going to do? May 15th, May 18th, something like that. May 15th or 18th. I will make my announcement, but I have chosen my team. That's all I'm going to say about it. I have chosen my team. Uh, Eric, what should Giants fans expect from Jalen Hyatt this season? Saw him against Bama and fell in love, but I haven't seen much else. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, Eric. You're going to love him. One thing there's no question brings to the table is... Speed. He's a little bit lesser version of a Tyree kill, but he's a burner. He's got good hands. Uh, His technique on his routes leaves a little bit to be desired. That's in part why he slipped all the way to the third round, but that can be developed. That can be corrected. That's if you got good wide receivers coach and, and, and guys like that in, in the Meadowlands with the giants, those will be some good dudes that can really kind of develop him in that way. Uh, but I thought it was a great pick by the Giants. Giants were in desperate, desperate need to help the receiving core. I've said numerous times on this show and on the draft show, of the 14 playoff teams, to me, the Giants have by far the worst receiving core. I mean, I was critical of Dallas's, but they, they did at least have CeeDee Lamb. The Giants had to take a wide receiver at some point. I'm almost sure they would have taken one the first round if all the four best hadn't gone in order. And the Giants are sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. We don't get any of these guys? You got a good one the third round. So... Expect a lot of speed. If Danny Dimes is that, expect a lot of 50-yard bomb touchdowns. Uh, but in short or rem- intermediate routes, he could use some improvement. That's what I will say. But I, I do think it was a fantastic pick by the New York Giants. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Daniel Jones and Jalen Hyatt will have a, a solid connection in New York. And certainly I hope is, is the case because, listen, the two faces, no, the three faces of Tennessee's upset against Alabama were were Jalen Hyatt Hennon Hooker and Chase McGrath speaking of Chase McGrath thank you for bringing that up Eric can we just take a moment just take a moment real quick Chase McGrath for the win for the Volunteers from 40 on the way a knuckleball
1: he got it
0: Thanks, Eric, for bringing that up because uh, I just wanted to soak it in again. That was such a great night. That that was, other than my Warriors winning the finals last year, after three years of people declaring the dynasty dead, that was my second greatest sports memory of my life. I was I was not unfortunately not in Nealon Stadium, although I can just I can only imagine what it was like in that place. But man, that was just awesome. It was awesome, and what it did too was it brought the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry back. Because it can't it can't be a rivalry if one team just keeps winning. It's like Tennessee-Florida, they didn't like each other. That'll, that'll make it a rivalry. A rivalry is if you go back and forth. Like Alabama-Auburn is a rivalry. Like every other year, Auburn is still a game or two. Bama's obviously better year in and year out. But Auburn, I mean, even a couple years ago, Auburn wasn't that good. And until Bryce Young put together the drive of drives to send it to overtime and then ended up throwing the game, winning two-point conversion in overtime – they shut him and Alabama down and almost ended their season. And Bama won that game, wound up getting to the, champ, uh, the national championship game where uh, the University of Georgia was able to beat them. All of that to say, moving to our next topic and back to the NBA and the NBA playoffs. Again, once again, second round predictions, the segment after this one. But in the Western Conference, we already had a game one played. Obviously, we're all anticipating Warriors-Lakers, which tips off tomorrow night in the Bay Area. But we do. We've already had a game one played, and we actually got a game two tonight in the West between the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. And Denver pretty much ran away with this one, one twenty five to one oh seven. Playoff Jamal Murray. Playoff Jamal Murray is not playoff Jimmy Butler, but it's like the it's it's like the the offhand brand. Let's put it that way. It's it, like it's good stuff. It ain't it, it ain't the good. It's not the, the name brand, but it's still good. Jamal Murray, 34 points, 13 for 24 from the field, 6 for 10 from 3, and chipped in 9 assists as well. And Nikola Jokic did, you know, put up a Nikola Jokic stat line, 24 and 19. And I've always said it, Jokic is clearly the better player in the Nuggets. You'd be a fool not to think so. But I do trust Jamal Murray more in the postseason. He's been the far better player. Look, Look at 2019, 2020, and now look at 2023, what he's doing after two years off from the postseason due to the ACL. I'm a little bit worried for Phoenix. It's not revealing who I'm picking yet because I made the prediction, swear to you guys, before this game tipped off. I'm a little worried about Phoenix. And I was worried about them the last series when they beat the Clippers. I picked Phoenix to beat the Clippers in six games. And it, wasn't a, it was not an indictment on Phoenix. It was a, the Clippers can push them. They're well coached. They have depth. And they've got Kawhi Leonard. We talk about great playoff performers. Kawhi is one of them. Problem is Kawhi went down in game two and that's the last we saw of him with a torn meniscus. Westbrook was awesome in games three and four, although I I keep saying it's an indictment on Russ. He has to be the solo guy in order to be effective. Clippers could have easily won games three or four. Certainly game three. They had every opportunity in the world to win game three, and they just couldn't cash in. Devin Booker had a 40-piece. But even in game five, folks, Westbrook was awful. Awful. Three for 18 for the field. And yet, when he hit a layup late in the fourth quarter, the puppy was tied with two minutes left. Despite Devin Booker playing amazing and Kevin Durant dropping 30-plus and CP3 playing relatively well. What I worry about with this Phoenix team that Denver can expose depth. I didn't worry. If you guys remember when the KD trade was made, I s- obviously, I love it. it's Kevin Durant. Are you kidding me? You, you, it's Kevin Durant. Okay, I love Mikhail Bridges and and Cam Johnson, and that they're not KD put together. We know that in advance. But I said I wasn't worried about the depth of the Phoenix Suns coming in. I said they still have a good enough role players: Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, Damian Lilly. They've got guys: Bismack Biombo. They've got dudes who can come off the bench and give them good minutes. And we all know rotations get really shortened once the postseason comes and as it goes along. Like, it's really like seven, eight guys that are playing the majority of the game. Right now, it's five guys that are giving them major minutes and giving them any production at all in those major minutes, and that's the starting lineup. KD, Book, CP3, Torrey Craig, and DeAndre Ayton, who was just bullied. Just bullied by Nicole Jokic in game one. This is what I worry about with Phoenix moving forward. If you look at, you look at uh, the Nuggets and listen, we all know you know Shaq calls role players the others. We all know role players or the others, whatever you want to call them, are better at home than on the road. It's 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 a tale as old as time of the NBA playoffs. But if you look at if you look at Denver's depth, so we know about Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, as well chipped in five for nine from the field. But Aaron Gordon gave you twenty three. Contavius Caldwell Pope gave you ten. But I'll tell you, even if Kentavious Caldwell Pope isn't shooting the ball well. Always gives you good defense. He's one of the better guard defenders uh, in the NBA. Jeff Green came out the bench and only give you five. Jeff Green in the past has had some big-time playoff performances. I remember game seven with Cleveland in 2018 against Boston. Game five of 2021. Remember, Katie had that 40-point masterpiece against Milwaukee? Well, he got like 20-plus from Jeff Green that game. So he's big-time. Bruce Brown was great, seven for 11 for the field, and also gives you great defense. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: We got the connection. Okay. All right, connection went out for just a second. It's very windy where I'm at. I know there's a. I think it's a hurricane not here in Tennessee, obviously, but I know you know we've been impacted by wind. So connection went out there for just a second. So I sorry. Apologize for that. But what I, what I was saying is Denver can really expose Phoenix's lack of depth. The Clippers could. Here's the problem. The Clippers didn't have Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. And something else, too, that we always just kind of look over. Playing Denver's really hard. It's a loud crowd, yes, but there's plenty of those. Get Sacramento's got a loud cloud, crowd. Golden State does. Boston does. Boston, Golden State, and Sacramento do not have that kind of a mile high altitude. And that's that goes for all sports, particularly football and basketball in the state of Colorado. It's tough to get your lungs ready, to make sure conditioning's right. Like you, If you go in out of shape in Denver, it's going to be a long night for you. Now, I don't worry about that with Phoenix, but it is a factor. So, good win by the Nuggets. Took care of home court in game one. Jamal Murray obviously late had that ridiculous layup. Where he's dribbling through traffic and then just throws one up off the glass. I think it was over KD and got it to go. He, he's, like I said, he's special in the playoffs. Um, so great, great job. Uh, Garrett Johnson's in the comments. Garrett says here from outside the cage. Great pickup for The Grid, 100% agree. Outside the Cage, which debuted their first show on The Grid just a couple hours before my show started live on The Grid. So shout out to both of those guys. Great first show. Very, very excited to have them as a part of the network. Like I said, Outside the Cage here on The Grid Network is our new show. And then we've got our guy uh, Devin with the uh, At The Bank podcast. He's a big Ravens fan, so he's you know he's going to be having his podcast uh, debuting soon. If it hasn't debuted already, um if it hasn't, it's, it's, it's coming soon. So shout-out to shout out to Devin uh, without a question. Patrick, I wonder how clownish the sports media feels picking Memphis over LA. They, too, need to look in the mirror as well. You don't say. Patrick, Phoenix has no depth, and it was obvious in Game 1. Denver was literally cooking them. Yeah, and that's the thing. Denver, inter- playoffs are all about matchups. Styles make fights, as the saying goes. And Phoenix, I'm sorry, Denver has... All the matchups to throw at Phoenix. They've got great guard defenders, Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown. Gordon can defend on occasion. And I don't think Jokic should necessarily have to be a good defender for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, trust the numbers, LOL. What you laughing at? My Denver take? You laughing about how right I usually am about this kind of stuff? I don't know. Um. So second round has already kicked off, t- tipped off. See, it's basketball, not football. And we've actually got two... No, we got one game one tonight, Sixers-Celtics. Again, no Joel Embiid. And we've got Suns-Nuggets game two tonight. Again, Denver, as I just talked about, leads that series a game to nothing. And then game one tomorrow between the Lakers and the Warriors, the most highly anticipated series. I don't think there's a question in the second round. It's a shame. I'm looking at the schedule for Lakers-Warriors. So tomorrow night tips off at 10 Eastern. Thursday, 9 Eastern. I think that's very intentional on ESPN's part to make sure that, you know, some people are able to see this. It's much easier to see a 9 p.m. game than a 10 p.m. game here on the East Coast. Uh, there's a primetime game, 8.30 on Saturday. Then I think it's back to 10 p.m. on Monday. So it's a shame that these games are so late, but this is going to be as highly rated as especially like the, the, the Saturday night game in L.A., I'm telling you, the stars gonna be out. I'm sure Denzel's gonna be there. You saw the great Jack Nicholson, by the way, was there for game six. I love when they showed all the celebrities in ESPN. It's got like the graphic of their names. Like, you know, uh they had Dr. Dre there and they had everybody. And then it just shows Jack Nicholson just as Jack. Like everybody knows he's 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 a staple at uh, at Lakers home games and has been for literally decades. So shout out to shout out to Jack Nicholson. Love to see his face uh at the crypto.com arena for one of the two, games three or four between the Warriors uh, and the Lakers. So, the games tip off, or already have tipped off. So, let me start uh, real quick uh, in the Eastern Conference as we get our intense background music. going. All right. In the Eastern Conference with a series that has already begun is the eight seed Yes, the eight seed, the Miami Heat, taking on the five seed New York Knicks. Two lower seeded teams that beat, that beat their high, uh, higher seeded teams, both did so quickly in a gentleman's sweep in five games. Now both teams are dealing with major injury. Obviously Julius Randle missed Game One last night against the Heat. Uh, you'll see see if he can come back maybe by Game Two, which is uh, tomorrow night, which would be huge for the Knicks. And then for the Miami Heat, man, they're they're kind of they're kind of running on fumes right now. Tyler Hero broke his hand in game one against Milwaukee in game three. Just a terrible, unfortunate injury to Victor Oladipo uh, with the, the leg injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. You, you know, pray for him, knock on wood for him that he'll be back for next season healthy and ready uh, ready to go. And then Jimmy Butler, late in the fourth quarter, about five minutes left, turned his ankle and was limping the rest of the way. So playoff Jimmy, will he be limited by that ankle injury going forward? Here's what I looked at coming into this series. This is going to be the closest (laughs) resemblance to football in an NBA seven game series. Miami is built on defense. Knicks with Tom Thibodeau, same thing. Uh, This is gonna be a series with great old school point guard play. Kyle Lowry, who had a big game one, played excellent. And then you've got Jalen Brunson who had to struggle a little bit in game one. I'm sure he'll bounce back in game two. I thought he should have been an all-star for the record. But with all that being said, you got the scores in Miami. The shooters, rather, you've got Gabe Vincent. You've got uh, Max Struess, Plenty of guys who can knock down open shots created by by Jimmy Butler or by Kyle Lowry. Bam on a bio is going to be key, especially if Julius Randle's back in this series. Uh, we know Mitchell Robinson was big time for the Knicks in that Game Five win over Cleveland. They're gonna, Miami's going to need Bam to step up there, and the same thing. Who is going to stop Jimmy Butler uh, for the New York Knicks? There's plenty of guys that they could throw at him. I don't know if Jimmy's going to be limited by defense as much as he is his ankle. I do not expect Jimmy Butler to be as good in this series as he was in the Milwaukee series. Maybe I'm underestimating him, but that's why I think it's going to happen. With all that said, I trust Eric Spolstra, arguably the best coach in the NBA, Getting the most out of the talent that he's got despite the injuries. And I'm going to go with the eight seed Miami Heat to beat the five seed, or that's his four seed, they were the five seed uh, New York Knicks and advance to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in the last four seasons. Special, absolutely special uh, what the Knicks have done this season. The second series in the Eastern Conference was tips off in about 15 minutes. For the record, for those that are seeing this uh, after it has already aired. The one that we thought we would all get. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. We know for decades these two teams have had plenty of history in the postseason. And in, in Embiid's career in Philadelphia, he has actually faced Boston twice. And his record is one and eight against the Boston Celtics. Got swept in the second round in 2018. I'm sorry, got gentlemen swept in the in the second round in 2018. And got real for real swept in the bubble in the first round in 2020. Unfortunately for Embiid, he will not see the court for Game One. Or, in my estimation, again, it's going to depend a lot on how this game goes for for Philly. I do not believe he'll be available for Game Two. This is an injury that he's he's going to have to. It's going to be all about pain tolerance. Can he push himself through this? And what? How much do you get from him for Philadelphia? And again, we know James James Harden's history in the playoffs. That goes without saying. But it is early series. No pressure on Philly early on. The thing for Philly is, can you steal a game in Boston without Embiid? They've still got plenty of guys. they got Maxie. Tobias Harris is a big-time game four against Brooklyn to close that series out. Again, Philadelphia is way more uh, well-rested than Boston is. they got about a week, uh, you know, five days to seven days uh, on them in terms of rest. What's going to play factor here in game one? Is it going to be rust? Is it going to be rest uh, for for the Philadelphia 76ers? Again, Boston does. There we go. Connection went out again. I'm trying to. Keep that there. But Tatum Brown struggled at the end of. There we go. You got, you got me back. Make sure because I, I don't want the I don't want the Wi-Fi to go haywire once again. Let's see. Get the background music back going. OK, here we go. Anyways, sorry about the interruptions, folks. Sorry about the Wi-Fi. Point is, Boston had no business having to go play game six in Atlanta, a game in which not a whole lot of people watched because the NFL draft, that was a dangerous game for them. They could have easily lost had they not hit some big shots down the stretch to their credit. I thought they were going to sweep Atlanta. The fact that Atlanta took them six is a credit to Trey Young and how well he played in that series, but also is a little bit of an indictment on Boston. I do worry about Joe Missoula. I think this is the first series in which he is going to be truly tested. With all that said, I'm going to take the Boston Celtics to win this series in six games over the 76ers. Again, Embiid scares me in terms of health. Harden terrifies me the later the series goes, as does Doc Rivers. As inexperienced as Joe Mazzula is, I do not think he's near the coach Emeo Odoka is. I don't think he'll necessarily have to be in this series, Boston beats Philadelphia for the third time in the Joel Embiid era in six games and once again advances uh, similar to Miami for the third time in four years to the Eastern Conference Finals. Actually, to meet Miami, who they faced last year in the Eastern Conference Finals and in 2020 in the bubble in the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami won in 2020 and six. Boston won in 2022 in seven. So that's that's the Eastern Conference Finals we get. I think it's going to be very, very interesting and very exciting. To the Western Conference. Again, starting with a series that has already begun. A game one that I've already talked about. The Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Again, Denver currently leads that series a game to nothing, but I did make this prediction before that series began. So you got Phoenix coming off of a gentleman sweep against the Clippers, although that was the closest gentleman sweep that I've ever seen. Just about every game, just about every game literally came down to the wire, except for game two, which Phoenix won fairly comfortably. You look at, again, the... Uh, the Denver Nuggets. They've looked, I'd say, more impressive than any Western Conference team thus far. Now, an argument can be made, Bryson, that's partly because they played the worst team in the playoffs. Point well taken, I understand that. Minnesota was not going to exactly be a threat to knock off the one-seed Nuggets, but you do have Nikola Jokic, who while I was, I, w- I wasn't brutal on Jokic, I was brutal on the media for giving him back-to-back MVPs, which I thought was Outrageous. Uh, Steph should have won in 2021. I thought Giannis should have won last year. That's neither here nor there. And Embiid should win this year. Point is, he's still a fantastic player. He's he's a double-double lock every night. The question is, where's the second double going to come from? Assists? Rebounds? Or he could get all of them. He could get the triple-double from from Jokic. Uh, And I I anticipate in this series he's going to give DeAndre Ayton the business because I do not trust DeAndre Ayton to guard some of the best bigs in this league. And then you have Jamal Murray as I mentioned earlier in the last segment, is one of the better and more underrated playoff performers that we do have in the NBA. For Phoenix, they have Kevin Durant. And as he told us four years ago, we know who he is. Like, he's Kevin Durant. We know who he is. He's going to give you 30 every night. Just guaranteed. Just put him in. Go and put 30 to nothing Phoenix Suns for tonight. Because you're getting 30 from KD. question is, will he add on to that? And what's the, what will he get from his teammates? Like Devin Booker who, like KD, is a threat to go for 30, in some cases, 40, any given night. He was magnificent, arguably the best first-round player, although I think Steph Curry would have something to say about that, in the playoffs against the Los Angeles Clippers. But again, kind of like I worry about James Harden with Philadelphia, I really, really am concerned about Chris Paul. Not just the fact that he has struggled in some of these late playoff series, it's the fact that he is getting up there in age and has all season long really not looked like the same guy the last time we really saw Chris Paul and we were like oh that's CP3 like that's a guy who's making the case that he's one of the five greatest point guards of all time was probably early in the Dallas series in the second round last year ever since he hasn't looked the same ever since he turned what 37, 38 years old he hasn't looked like the same player which is a concern for Philadelphia the coaching matchup is going to be fascinating I didn't think Monty Williams had his best series against LA against the Clippers some of that you can credit to Ty Lue as you should Michael Malone, I've always thought was one of the better coaches in the league. I think gets, you know, way too much criticism. Again, we can credit Jokic last year for getting Denver to the playoffs, and we should. Let's give a little bit of credit to Michael Malone. He's good with his rotations. He's good at making adjustments. I mean, in 2020, his team was down 3-1. Twice. And they won both series. That's the only time that's ever happened in NBA history. Let's give the coach some credit for that. Okay, Michael Malone is a very good head coach. The head coach matchups can be fascinating. I think this is going to be the most lopsided six-game series in NBA history. I really genuinely think that. I'm taking the Nuggets to win in six games over the Phoenix Suns. I don't trust Phoenix's depth. I think uh, Denver has, in terms of matchups, can expose some of Phoenix's flaws. You know I bought into the Suns as championship contenders. I said they were the biggest threat to my Warriors in the West but about 2 3 games in the first round like nah the lakers the warriors biggest threat in the west and denver looks better than phoenix and i said this before game 1 was played so game 1 just further reinforced what i was already thinking nuggets win in 6 games and advance to the western conference finals for the second time in the last 4 years and that leaves that leaves the main event the headliner it is two of the last 3 nba champions And as far as I'm concerned, the winner of this series is the favorite to win the title. I truly believe that. It is. The 7th seed, Los Angeles Lakers. Against the 6th seed, my defending NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. Just going to show you what I've been saying all NBA season long. When everybody's talking about the Warriors struggling and whatnot. I said the regular season in today's NBA is literally irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We learned that in 2016 when LeBron with the Cavs came back from 3-1 down on my 73 and 9 Warriors. I still have not recovered from said finals. Point being, this is what we've all been hoping for. It's game it's it's round five between the greatest player ever, LeBron James, and the sixth greatest player ever, Steph Curry. It's round five between the greatest player ever and the greatest dynasty since Jordan's Bulls this is what we've all been hoping for. Not to mention, the Warriors still have yet to leave California in the playoffs. So, this is great for them. Not a whole Travel won't be a huge factor uh, in this series. Here's what I will tell you right off the bat. The Lakers are going to win game one in Golden State. I truly believe that. Steph, I think it might be a little bit you know, a little bit tireless and he, he, he may be still great. He may be the best player in the world, but he is 35. I think Steph will still be good in game one, but he won't be anywhere near his, his supernatural self in game seven against sat the Sacramento Kings. He's, he's not scoring 50. If he does, the Lakers are in some serious trouble. The Lakers are rested. They took care of business, didn't play with their food against the Memphis Grizzlies. They have two days extra of rest on the Warriors. I think they will steal game one in Golden State. And the reality is the Lakers present some matchup problems for the Warriors. Length and size. The Kings really don't have that at all. The Lakers do. On the other hand, though, Golden State's a significantly better defensive team than LA. And they have, this isn't even a debate, significantly more guys that they can throw at Anthony Davis. My guess is they'll probably start Kavon Looney on him and then rotate Draymond Green on him. My thing is, anytime AD's on the floor, Either Looney or Draymond has to be there as well. And we know one thing about Anthony Davis. I nicknamed "Coin Flip Davis uh, after game two against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies in the previous round. Listen, I don't believe in the saying, tails never fails. Anytime I, I choose tails, it almost always fails. So I'm just gonna roll with what, what works for me. If the coin lands on heads, Lakers, you're in good shape. If it's tails, uh, I'd be a little nervous. LeBron was not poked, you know, the, the LeBron one poked by those, you know, Cubs. They're even Bears. They're Cubs in Memphis. We should call them the Memphis Cubs from here on not, by the way. He is going to be poked by Golden State. Not because Golden State's going to be talking a lot of smack. They, outside of Draymond, they're not known for that. Like, Steph is not going into a series. About, I'm going to do this and, and clay it. That's not, their, that's not really what they do. Even Draymond, while he talks trash, he doesn't do this entering a series overwhelmingly especially as he's gotten older and more mature that's that's not his brand to me what what is the big sort of separating factor between the two in terms of coaching it's not even a contest it is it's not this is the most lopsided coaching matchup in the entire playoffs steve kerr who to me is one of the five greatest coaches in nba history when you look at i mean steve kerr folks has never lost a Western Conference playoff series as a coach. He's now 19-0. 19-0 in the Western Conference as a coach. Darvin Ham, on the other hand, uh, we worry about adjustments. We worry about some of the things he he puts into place in terms of the guys he puts on the floor, guys he doesn't put on the floor, why Lonnie Walker doesn't get more minutes is unknown to me. This is going to be a back and forth. I, I, I think I have a hard time seeing until the end of the series, honestly, either team winning back-to-back games that's how evenly matched that's how many matchup problems both teams cause for one another at the end of the day I don't care what anybody says LeBron is still the best player in the Lakers you know what you're getting him from him on a night-to-night basis and while AD ceiling is higher how often does he reach it LeBron especially against this team in which he's lost three out of four finals to He's going to be ready to go. We are going to see a different LeBron James in this round in terms of scoring, I believe, as opposed to the last round where he really didn't have to score 30. It's just get others involved and move on from there. In this series, it's one thing playing the Memphis Grizzlies who are mentally fragile. It's another thing thing to play the champs and playing in that arena at the Chase Center, which is a little bit more hostile than Memphis at the FedEx Center. FedEx form, whatever it's called. This, to me, comes down to coaching, which is overwhelmingly in Golden State's favor, and to the best players. Who's better in this series? Because the teams, the rosters, are fairly evenly matched. Is it Steph Curry, or is it LeBron James? In years past, it didn't come down to that, because the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Warriors were better than LeBron's Cavs. Significantly better in 2017 and in 2018. This case, not necessarily. As great as LeBron is, and as marvelous as I think he's going to be in this series, regardless of who the Warriors throw at him—Wiggins, Draymond, whoever—Steph gonna get cooking in this series. Who are you gonna throw at Steph Curry? Who, who? Truder, Reeves. If you throw Russell at him, he's really gonna go off. Hachimura. Who are you throwing at Steph Curry? He can get whatever shot he wants, whenever he wants it. This will go to the wire. This will, like this previous series, the Golden State Warriors just completed, this will go the distance to a Game 7. And something I never thought the Warriors would have in their favor in the playoffs will be in their favor. Home court advantage. Yes, the Lakers, I believe, are going to win Game 1 tomorrow. And the Warriors will even it up in Game 2. I think they'll split in L.A. Wherever you think Lakers or Warriors win Game 3 and then the other team wins Game 4, Dubs win game five, Lakers win game six, Dubs close them out in seven and advance to the Western Conference Finals for the seventh time in the last nine years. I do not trust Anthony Davis, certainly against the likes of Kevon Looney. You see what Kavon Looney just did to DeMontis Sabonis? Listen, I know 80's obviously better than DeMontis Sabonis, but listen, you got the best defense player in the league, Draymond Green. You got one of the better centers in the NBA Kevon Looney, who is relentless on the glass. Little bit of a different challenge as opposed to uh, Xavier Tillman. Uh, I don't think, you know, Kevon Looney, just reminder to you Lakers fans. Uh, three of the last five games grabbed 20 plus rebounds. Three of the last five games got 20 plus rebounds. I don't think that's been done since Dwight Howard. He's relentless. Dubs in seven. You heard it here first. Let's see. Uh, Patrick, as someone who's dealt with knee pain, it's very difficult to play through. I ran track in high school, and it's very excruciating depending on the weather. Yes, weather is a huge factor. Thankfully, uh, basketball is played indoors. Uh, but yeah, playing through, listen, it's, it's no joke. It is no joke. Philip, I got Lakers in seven. It's going to be a great series. I think the Lakers are better on defense. I agree. That, that's a totally fair assessment. And I think we will do better playing them uh, than the Kings did. Well, th- listen, the Warriors are certainly going to be defensively presented with more challenges uh, on the offensive end than they were against Sacramento. Again, I when I did my playoff weaknesses for Sacramento, I thought it was a, I was kind of proud of myself, giving myself a little pat, a pat on the back for the phrase I came up with. The Kings, this is, this is their weakness. The Kings of offense – the peasants of defense. And uh, if you look at what Sacramento, let me pull this up. How many points did Golden State score in the seven games against Sacramento? Uh, Okay, so they scored one through seven. Warriors scored 123, 106, 114, 126, 123, 99. That was Sacramento's best defensive game. And yesterday, 120. So they, outside of game six and into a certain degree, game two, Golden State got whatever they wanted against Sacramento. Not gonna be the case. But we've got Steve Kerr. And he, better than any coach in the NBA today, is better than anybody at making halftime adjustments. Uh, Philip, I'm putting Vanderbilt on Curry and see what he does in the first two games. Okay, okay. Listen, Vanderbilt's one of their better uh, perimeter defenders. That's, that's certainly a better option than Schroeder or Reeves. My guess, let's see. I'm just curious about the matchups because like I said, the matchups in this series are so good. So we know what the Warriors' starting lineup is. Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins, Looney. Uh, and then the Lakers, you've got uh, uh, Russell, uh, uh, Reeves, LeBron, uh, AD, and and Vanderbilt as well. So let's say you're right, Philip. They put Vanderbilt on Steph. They put Reeves on Clay. They probably put LeBron on Wiggins, AD on Looney. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Oh, let me make sure I'm getting the Lakers starting five right. Just, just so I just because like okay this this matchup may really favor Golden State. Okay, no they'll 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 if they put Vanderbilt on Steph when well, now maybe late game depending on what the lineups are sure but to start the game if they put Vanderbilt on Steph that leaves Russell and Reeves one of those guys can take Clay so I'll say Russell takes Clay just because of the size. Does Reeves take Wiggins? Draymond? Maybe Reeves takes Draymond because he's not the offensive threat that Wiggins is. And LeBron takes Wiggins and and uh, AD takes Kevon Looney. Uh, God, the matchups are just so good in this series. I think it's going seven. Uh, that, that's why I will tell you. I think, I think it's going seven. Listen, it don't matter. It does not matter. LeBron James, Kevin James, Anthony Davis, Betty Davis. You better hope we're gracious. Warriors in seven. Western Conference Finals, here we come. It's like as, a, as, the, uh, as the Joker said. And here we go. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. appreciate everybody stopping by, as always, to this uh, very special show. I appreciate everybody especially stopping by in the beginning with the whole Grizzlies tribute video and celebration. Hope everybody has a great week. I will be back on Thursday. A little, little you know, minor announcement here. So this is the last 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific show for about the next week and a half. More on that later. But I'll be back Thursday as usual, but at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I know it's a little bit of a weird time change, six hours earlier, but noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Pacific. Uh, actually, we have a special segment on... Um, on thursday's show Just real quick and then i'll get out of here i did something in the last three weeks that i've never done before and i hate myself for not doing earlier you're not gonna believe this i watched the star wars saga for the very first time it, it, it doesn't make sense because i've got a i've got an r2d2 right here on my shelf behind me it doesn't make sense but yes for the very first time i watched uh the star wars saga uh now i'm obsessed it's fantastic it's awesome so I decided Thursday is May the 4th, obviously Star Wars day, May the 4th be with you. So I decided I'm going to do a segment on that day end of the show where it's I'm going to take 10 Star Wars characters, like the 10 major characters, and who are their sports equivalent? Like who's like who's who's the equivalent to Luke Skywalker or to Princess Leia or to Darth Vader or to Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like all the major, you know, characters, Palpatine, like all of them. By the way, the Palpatine meme that um, Bleach Report put out there for the Warriors-Kings series was incredible. If you guys haven't seen it, check Bleach Report's Instagram. It was, like, awesome. It was a great indicator for what was going to happen in Game 7. But, yeah, a little special Star Wars segment. It took me long enough, but I'm I'm absolutely into the Star Wars saga now. Not as high on the sequels, but the originals are obviously the originals. They're classic. And then the prequels, I think, are way too overhated. I think those are excellent. That's why I like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, definitely be sure to tune in for that. Sixers Celtics just tipped off just now. A little quick 2-0 lead for Philadelphia. So I'm going to get upstairs and watch that. But like I said, back on Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, right here on Twitter, as well as the Grid YouTube channel and the Carving It Up YouTube channel at the end of that, that show. A little special May the 4th Be With You Star Wars segment involving sports. Very much looking forward to that. And be sure to catch Carving Up live, like I said, Thursday at that time, noon Eastern, uh, nine in Pacific. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G R Y D, the Grid Podcast Network. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart Radio, Google, wherever you get your podcast, whenever you want to listen to Carving It Up. Whenever you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, like I said, we got new additions outside the cage, the, at the bank, two great. Uh We got a Ravens podcast and outside the Cage is an MMA podcast. It's kind of a new uh a change of scenery for, for the grid. Very, very much looking forward to all the new guys we added. Uh We got, uh, you saw Patrick of the comments, the chaotic sports podcast and the forum podcast. I know he's got a ton of content on the forum with this new Lakers Warriors series. That's going to be very, very fun to listen to the all even podcast. Barry Grant jr. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk, did a great show yesterday morning and did a fantastic job during the draft. Everybody who was a part of the draft did a great job. Parnell of the Commander's Demand podcast did a great show recently talking about the draft. The Cowboys Can Fan podcast was on their show Saturday. Had a blast with those guys. They're doing a fantastic job. Uh, we've got Alfred Parser Jr. who, listen, and I told Alfred this privately, but I'll say it publicly. Um did a fantastic job to do the draft. Like I really feel like it was kind of like his, his, like his breakout moment for the grid. So shout out to Alfred. Uh, who else we got? Um, Jamel writes for the network. I think, I think I got everybody. I about, I'm pretty sure I got everybody. So shout out to everybody in the grid doing a fantastic job uh, as always. And uh, yeah, so hope everybody's a great week. I'll see you on Thursday at noon, Eastern 9 a.m. Pacific uh, on Twitter and YouTube. Have a great week. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, in the wake of recent shootings, for the love of God, please call your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And whoop that trick, baby! Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button. And go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>